Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. He's Alex Ferrario, that's Tanner Hendrickson. It's BK here on 101 ESPN. BK. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we're playing a game of bet it or forget it. 314-399-9646 is the air comfort service text line. But right now, JR joining the show. You can find his work over at The Athletic. JR, we appreciate the time as always, man. How you doing today? Good, lads. How you guys doing? Uh, doing well, my lad. Uh, what did you <laughs> see from Jake Neighbors that stood out to you last night, Jr.? You used it wrong. Oh, just about everything. Yeah, I sat next to uh, Alex last night. I said, what am I going to write about tonight? Nothing's really sticking out. And all of a sudden, Jake Neighbors uh, sticks out. So uh, that was a great game for him. That's his 30th game in the NHL. And I know he's had a few good ones. He's, he's scored some goals and made some good plays and looked really good for a young kid. But I thought last night, just the poise. Ever since he's been back from Springfield, he's got the five points in the eight games, but he does a lot of little things, that big play on the wall last night that led to his first goal, and then, of course, dropping the gloves uh, to stick up for Noel Chari. So, big game for him. He really stuck out. Jer, we talked about that on postgame, myself and Joe Vitale last night, and I felt like that was a uh, really influential moment in the game for Jake Neighbors, and Joe talked about how, you know, it's not easy uh, when you're a young player to get into a fight in an NHL game, but him sticking up for his teammates, watching the reaction on the bench, and then seeing and hearing those guys talk about it postgame, that seems like it did a lot for that locker room. Yeah, big time. You're up 2 nothing, and this is a game that you have to win. Ottawa comes to town. You're on the homestand. You're down on the homestand, 1-2 and two last night. And uh, and that's a game that you got to have. And how about Jake Neighbors, he says after the game, I didn't really see the hit. It looked kind of awkward just from my point of view, but I knew that I had to drop the gloves. And also Parker Kelly, who he took on, a uh, also a Western Hockey League player, and that's a rugged league, guys. There's uh, you know, nonstop fighting in the Western Hockey League. And, and so Jake Neighbors was aware that Parker Kelly does drop the gloves from their junior career, uh, played against them, and he took them on. And, wow, seven of them, landed seven of them. Parker Kelly, no shots. The decision goes to Jake Neighbors. And uh, I asked him about the reaction when he got to the bench after the five-minute major. He said, a lot of surprise faces. Jer, when you look at a player like Jake Neighbors, this is this is who he is, right? He, he's a rugged player. He's somebody that people have compared to Braden Shin, and they talk about his influence not just in terms of like the goal-scoring ability, but also a 200-foot game where he's going to get in on that physicality. When you look at the way that he has developed compared to who he was earlier in the season, are we starting now to see glimpses of the player that he's ultimately going to be in a Blues uniform? Yeah, and I think, you know, players, as they get into the league and realize what's needed and how things are important and who they can become and work in with the roster, perhaps the types of player that they become changes just a bit. You know, not drastically because you're still, you know, going to show some skill. Obviously, a lot of skilled players come into the league and there's not top six spots for them, so they have to find a spot on that third and fourth line. 
and do the things that uh, the coach is asking. But I think from early on, even in that training camp, when he impressed and we all figured he'd make the team and stay for the year, you know, I just saw so many things where he was putting his veteran teammates in good spots. And I think that's what we saw, you know, last night. I'll go back to that wall play. That goal where Rosen feeds it to the front of that and neighbor scores it because he's got his stick on the ice doesn't happen if 10 seconds earlier he's not fighting for the puck off the wall that gets the puck to Levo, that gets the puck to Rosen, that leads to that. And so, you know, therefore, also in front of the net, what have we been talking about? Guys need to get to the front of the net. Well, who's doing it lately? It's the uh, Alexandrovs. It's the neighbors. Those are the types of guys who realize that if I'm going to be here, that's the type of player I need to be, and he showed it last night. How influential do you feel like that line change was last night, JR, in the second period where Buchnevich left that Thomas Kyrou line and played with Shen and Neighbors, and Saad went to play with Thomas and, and Kyrou? Yeah, I think Craig Bruby had to do that. Didn't get much out of the top six, uh, hasn't the past couple games. Look, not making excuses for these guys. I really do think when O'Reilly and Tarasenko went out, you saw Saad step up, you saw Shen step up. And it's a tough thing to do night in and night out and pick up the slack for those guys. I think the third and fourth lines had been underperforming for a big part of the season. And so now you're in a situation where, hey, you need everybody. You need everybody. It just can't be Shen and Sod every night like it was there for a week and a half. But that said, these guys have to have to play. And so I think last night, Ruby saw they weren't getting much out of those guys. And he switched up those two. So we'll see what happens. They're off today. See what happens uh, in practice tomorrow. Jared, did you feel vindicated yesterday when you were watching Jeremy or uh, Jordan Bennington rather and the way that he performed after saying that he was the MVP of the team so you far? You should have. Yeah, and I told Alex that because uh, often, you know, 101 ESPN tweets out those uh, audio clips. Yeah, and, sometimes you know, BK I, I, does it too. Those jerks. <laughs> he posts his own. Yeah. So I, I retweeted the one about saying that I suggested Bennington should be the MVP. If, you know, again, you got to preface this by saying who's talking MVP on a you know, disappointing season like Us. this. But if, if you guys, right. <laughs> yeah. But if you got to, if you got to pick one, you know, I feel like it's got to be Bennington and, and forget about the save percentage. Forget about the, you know, expected goal. Forget about all that stuff. You know, he has been there on just about 98% of the nights. You can maybe count five, six goals off the top of your head that were just clunkers all season long. And how many times did he make a massive save? Then the Blues went down and scored, and they won the game 2-1, to 3-2. to two. You know, the, the few wins they have, the position that they're in, I believe it's, it's because of, of Jordan Biddington. I did get a lot of uh, feedback, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, slack from, uh, from posting that. But anyway... I stand by it, and last night was another case of that. Damn right you stand by it, Jr. I stand there with you at that because I'll die on that hill with you this season. Um, the other piece that you had on The Athletic, which I thought was great, was giving a little perspective into what a trade for Ryan O'Reilly or with, with Ryan O'Reilly could look like, and you talked with the Toronto Maple Leafs writer, and that is because Pierre Lebrun connected the dots with the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Jr., the one thing that stuck out to me in that piece was if the Blues were to make that type of trade, and for people that don't want to spoil it but a first round pick and a, and, a, and a really good prospect from the Toronto Maple Leafs is what they kind of projected in a trade to me that signifies if that's what the return is you might be looking at a little bit more of a longer retool than trying to reset it for next season am I reading too much into that no I don't think so and, and obviously this is just throwing stuff at the wall right but uh, Toronto has been mentioned uh, you know I've heard that uh, Toronto has had internal discussions about you know Ryan O'Reilly uh, do they give up a first-round pick and a prospect, which is what kind of the hockey world thinks it would cost for Ryan O'Reilly? You know, maybe not. They've been burned by that in the past with uh, Felino 
you know, I know some of the Leafs fans have read the article and commented that they need a defenseman more than needed more than they need a guy like Ryan O'Reilly. But if these two teams were to come together and even talk about a deal, yeah, first round pick I think is certainly reasonable, and then a, a prospect. And you look at a guy like Matthew Neves. He's the uh, University of Minnesota forward. He is on a uh, line with Jimmy Snuggerud, the Blues prospect. I talked to Matthew Neves last week when I was in Minnesota for that piece. Uh, he's had a great season. That's the best line in college hockey right now. He and Snuggerud and, and Logan Cooley. Yeah, it's probably a steep price to pay if, if you're the Leafs, but you also have to look at the Leafs situation. Doesn't that management staff need to win now? This is the year where where it's kind of bust for them. And, and so I think if they're thinking about first-round picks down the road, they might not be there to draft those guys. So, you know, again, there's probably, you know, five, six teams you could point to that could be in a Ryan O'Reilly sweepstakes, but we took a look at uh, Toronto today, and, and that's what we came up with. Yeah, have you heard any other buzz, JR, in terms of trade conversations, including the Blues? Oh, yeah. It's trade season, baby. No, not yet. I, I always ah. it is, and we're getting super close. Uh, you know, and, and I know fans listening on the radio. You know, hope for a nugget here or there. And you know, if I hear them, I'll pass them along. But I, you know, I, I do my job to the best of my ability. Doug Armstrong does his even better. <laughs> he is uh, Mr. Stealth when it comes to that stuff. That's a small circle of friends he's got in terms of who's talking about those things. So you know, as we get closer, I think we'll hear more speculation and and try to dive into it. Well, my dear lad, we appreciate the time. As always, we'll talk yeah, with you. You should correct me, man. <laughs> thanks so much, Rob. And I'm the best. We'll be reading your work over at The Athletic, JR. All right. Thanks, boys.